Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. Y'all can be seated. If you weren't here to start with, um, we are obviously having some AC issues. The part is on order. Has been. But we praise God that it's not as hot in here as it was last week. Somebody who was here, here last week, give the Lord a praise this morning. <laughs> oh, it's getting there, y'all. All right. So, a few announcements. QR code, if you're first-time guest or if you've been here a while, there's a QR code behind me. It will be in momentarily. Uh, point your camera at it and just fill out that Connect card for us so that we can get to know you and also the Connect table out by the greenery wall uh, we got a gift for you for being uh, with us this morning. We're so glad you're here. I don't know why you're here. And if you stay, I'll be so happy after so hot a service. But we're glad you're here. We're glad. Uh, July 30th is a Saturday. It's our Tybee Beach Day. We're just, uh, some of you ask, hey, we're doing summer groups this, this semester. No, we're not doing formal uh, groups, but we are doing gatherings like this. We have one at Forsyth, and we're gonna have one uh, Saturday, July 30th at Tybee, where we just kind of show up and just be family, okay? So bring your own uh, sandwiches and all that stuff. There'll be more information about where we're meeting up and times and all that coming. August, uh, oh, no, I, I gotta say this. If you've never been baptized, if you've like, uh, if you've given your heart and life to Jesus, decided to follow him, but you've never followed him in uh, believers' baptism, we're doing baptism on the beach that Sunday. And uh, Justin and, and Summer are getting baptized back there. They got the best seats in the house, by the way. They're over there by the AC that works. So you know, I walked by and I was like, oh, yeah, that feels good. So, um, but they're gonna, if you've never been baptized, go to thedwellingchurch.org slash baptism and fill out that form and, uh, and get on the roster to go under the water at Tybee Beach today. That would be cool to be baptized at the beach, I'm just saying. I was baptized like in a tub, which is okay. It's cool, but, you know. 21 days of prayer and fasting, October, I'm sorry, August 1st through the 21st, 21 days. We haven't done this in a while. We, we used to do um, every, every fall for 21 days of prayer and fasting, and um, I think maybe 2020 kind of, and we didn't do it last year. And I just really feel like this year we're supposed to do that. I'm supposed to call us all as a house to, to fasting and prayer. And some of y'all are like, wait a minute, what? Fasting, you know, I've never done that before. We're gonna be resourcing you and uh, it's not as scary as you think. It's actually one of the most fruitful spiritual disciplines that I've ever, uh, ever added to my life. There's been more fruit just out of fasting with the Lord than anything else. And so I, I feel like this is a very um, important time for our church that we're in. And coming up in fall, I just want to invite you to fast for 21 days. And that doesn't mean you don't eat anything at all for 24, 21 days. If you're like Rob Driggers, he'll probably do that, knowing him. Uh, but, but like it just means giving up, giving up food, giving up something just so you can focus on your relationship with God. Some of you may be a um, giving up lunch for 21 days. Some of you may be doing the whole Whole Foods thing for 21 days. Some of you might want to go hardcore and do juice and broth and all that stuff. Read up on it, okay? <laughs> Let me dragging you in here on Sunday. 
All right, who's ready to get, get started? Somebody said, please, please. All right, here we go. We're in a series called Questions. We polled you guys uh, about some questions about faith in the Bible and, uh, and just any, any questions you had. What topics do you want discussed? And some of you guys gave some really awesome questions. Some of them were so awesome, we're not gonna cover them because <laughs> I, somebody said we should do a rapid fire and maybe we, maybe we can do that. But there were four topics that all those questions kind of got categorized into. Now, there's some, if we don't answer your question, I'm sorry, there's Google, okay? But, I mean, we kind of, you know, you can find the answers. But if you just want to know what I think about it, I know that's what this is about, right? So um, there's basically four topics that we categorize these in. A large majority of the questions, I love this, were about women. What does the Bible say about women? And if you've been around here very long, we've seen women, you've seen women up here on this platform. Uh, we allow women to teach here. And you'll be like, wait a minute. I thought the Bible said, well, we're going to cover that, but it won't be in this series. It's going to be in October in our You Go Girl series that I'm super pumped about. Um, and so we're not covering those questions this go around, but I love that that was, that was a majority of your questions. And then Stefan last week talked about relationships, singleness, boundaries, forgiveness. Come on, who was here? That was an awesome message, especially when he found out the day before around two o'clock in the afternoon that he was gonna be preaching it. So kudos in the heat and everything. Did an awesome job. And I was sitting back on my couch last week. I was a little sick, but I was like, I'm so glad I'm not in there because it looks really hot. And then today, I want to talk about um, probably the second most asked questions were around the spiritual gifts, specifically the prophetic gifts. Okay, so I'm talking about that today. Um, and we're gonna maybe define some terms, redefine some terms, rediscover some things, knowing that everybody in here comes from a different background and so we're going to be talking about some of this stuff because sometimes some of this stuff like around spiritual gifts can be really weird for some of us. If you're like me, that was me. Well, my background, I was really leery of anything Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was the guy who made me feel bad for when I did something wrong and that's about as far as it went. But he's so much more. And when he comes into our life in his fullness, he brings gifts and one of those gifts, or a group of those gifts, is what we call the prophetic gifts. And so I want to talk about some of that today, but I want to start with a story. Like I said, I had a kind of a leery idea about the things of the Holy Spirit and gifts and all that. I was just kind of cautious, like I was open, but I was hungry. And if you study revival history, which I love to do, you'll realize that there's th there are things that have happened in modern history that sound awful, an awful lot like the Bible and the book of Acts. But how many know we don't often see that on a regular basis? And it, so it makes you think, well, maybe it was for another time and it doesn't happen as much now and all that. So that's kind of where I was at this point in my life several years ago. We had been asked to leave worship at a youth week back in Alabama, Enterprise, Alabama. Where's my Enterprise people? And, um, and one, one of the youth leaders that was there was a, a lady named Sheree. Some of you guys know Sheree Jackson. She was uh, 
preaching one of the sessions, like a breakout session, and she invited the kids in the room, teenagers, to go just find a place in the room with God. That's how she was gonna end the session. And so there's a couple girls over here praying together, and there's kids just kind of just spending time with God on their own. Just someone just laying in the floor, someone sitting in chairs. And she was just walking around, and I'm watching her. And she's like, got her eyes on this guy sitting in a chair, and she's kind of walking around going, like this. And I'm like, what is she doing? And then she looks at me, and she says, and so I come over there, and she says, hey, could you come over here and pray with me for this guy? And I said, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, it's accountability, need another male in there, you know? So I'm like, yeah, I'll come. I put my hand on his shoulder, and she starts praying. And she says, I pray this, and she's, she's praying. She says, I pray for you. I pray, uh, Lord, would you, you know, just like a normal prayer, right? And then the language shifts from her praying for the kid to the Lord says this. And I feel like the Lord, and I feel like you feel this way, but that's not actually what the Lord is saying to you right now because, and I know that your dad's, dad said these words to you. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. And it's getting more and more specific. And, and get this, for the first time in my life, as an adult who's been a Christian since he was 14 years old, for the first time in my life, I realized the light bulb came on and I went, that's prophecy. <laughs> like, I don't know that I've ever seen that or didn't receive it as that. And I, I, it just hit me and I was, I was floored by that, that the Lord would be so intentional. Because what happened, she starts telling him about, she starts revealing the secrets of his heart, which is scriptural. Paul tells us that's what prophecy does. Reveals the secrets of our heart. And then she starts speaking this guy's destiny, like what the Lord's got for him and what he's what she's gonna what the Lord's gonna do with this this junior in high school baseball player, preppy kid, and he is wrecked by God. Sitting in that chair, he had no idea God was coming after him that day. But he is crying like a baby in front of all his friends. I mean, he's the guy that comes in, it was like, oh, look at you know, he's this guy. And he's a, a total wreck because God knows his heart. And I was like, okay, I love this. I'm sold. Like all the, all the stuff that I thought prophecy was, of the bozos on TV that I've seen that I'm like, what is this and all that? You know what I'm talking about. The, all the abuses, all the misuse that you've seen before. People didn't clean up their mess and they, they were abusive. They used it as a bazooka. And then I was like, no, this is God. This is his heart right here. And I love this. And now I'm jealous <laughs> because I want to do that. I want to know God like that. I want to hear his voice. And so that's my, real, my, first, my first encounter with the prophetic was with well, an 11th grade baseball player just wrecked that God knows him so much and that he would tell someone who doesn't know him about him and call the greatness out of him. Man, it was, it was incredible. One of the, the primary, uh, I think, misunderstandings around this 
and I got to start with this because this is where I was. There's two camps, basically, in the body of Christ, in the church, two ways of systems of belief, and one is called cessationism, which is a word that just means it comes from the root of ceased, you know, it's ceased, cessation. In other words, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not all of them, but just a few of them that are more miraculous. I think they're all pretty miraculous, you know. I don't know how we divided them up and all that stuff, but they're just kind of out there in Scripture. But we've made sure we know which ones are for today and which ones not. I'm not being facetious, but you know what I'm... So the gifts, certain ones, the ones that were really meant to confirm the apostles' doctrine and all that, and then once we got the Word with the Bible, the Scripture, the Logos, and we're in, we've got it in the canon. We don't need all that anymore because now we have the sure Word. And uh, hey, this right here is the standard. This Word is the standard. But just because God has said all He needs to say doesn't mean He said all He wants to say. Just because the canon is closed, His mouth isn't, Okay? Now, I'll talk about this in a little bit when we talk about safeguards and the prophetic, but he will never say anything that contradicts this word, okay? But he may say something that's not in this word. I'm not saying he's not gonna say what, I'm not saying that when he says something, it takes precedence over this word. I'm, I'm telling you that's not where we're going. This word is the standard. It is the highest and every other word bows to this one, okay? But then there's another school of thought called continu continuationism. It just means it continued. These gifts continued. They're not, they're not dead. But see, prophecy has been misunderstood. It's been misrepresented. But with everything and every gift and really everything in life, there's a, there is a probability that it will be misused or abused, right? I mean, let's just take food and drink. It's a gift from God, but how many know we've misused it sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Like this weekend when I went back for that other piece of cake at the wedding, you know, <laughs> don't eat that much, Gunner. I knew it was wrong when I did. It's like, I don't need this, but it's so good. Misusing that thing. So we, that's what we do with, with prophecy. Well, you know what? This one time this guy said this and it blew a church up or it hurt my life. It wasn't right. It wasn't a word from the Lord. And so I don't want anything to do with that stuff. Well, if we did that to other gifts, it doesn't hold water because what, has anybody who's ever been a teacher ever misused the word of God? So why don't we say, oh, that teaching stuff, you know where that leads. Let's just do away with the teaching and just do the other stuff. Let's just sing for an hour, you know? Like, No, we didn't do that because when there's error, you bring correction, not rejection. And just because there's some error and just because there's some abuse doesn't mean that we throw the baby out with the bathwater, okay? So that's, what, that's where I'm kind of coming from this morning. So what is the biblical gift of prophecy? It's simply this. It's hearing God and saying what he says. Is hearing God and saying what he says. And it's been a precious gift 
that God has used in my life. If you could see, <laughs> if you could see the words that I have, I've got an Evernote app on my phone. And in this app, I have a folder called Prophetic Words. And I've probably shown, who's seen my folder, my Prophetic Words folder on my phone? And I scroll and I scroll and I scroll and I scroll. You know why I do that? Do you know why I have that many prophetic words about my life and this church? Because I see such value in what the Lord is saying, specifically that rhema word of God, that I keep them. I keep them. And you know what I do when I'm feeling discouraged, when I feel like, oh, wait, God, you said, and it doesn't look like this is actually happening in my life. Did you really call me to preach? Did you really call me to lead people? Because I'm really feeling like kind of a jerk that doesn't know what he's doing right now. And I'll pull out my prophetic words. And I'll read them out loud and I'll listen to them. And by, it doesn't take but just a couple minutes and I'm back, baby. I'm ready. <laughs> Because it's a gift that literally, it changes everything. And this is what I'm talking about today. We're going to open this altar up for ministry a little bit. And if I called you or texted you or came up to you during service, you are going to be a prophetic minister today. FYI, you, you didn't know that prior to now. But somebody's going to get a lifeline today. Just a word from the Lord that's going to give you hope to keep you going. And it's going to be the Lord speaking specifically to your heart this morning. And some of you, he's already started doing that. This gift is so powerful. It's been so beautiful in my life. God has used the prophetic to pull me out of deep despair in my life. He's, he's used the prophetic gifts to call me into purpose and call me into my identity it's been a healing medicine when, I'm, when I've had a broken heart. And he's been a surgeon's knife when I've had a hard one. A hard heart that he just gets in there with his just tenderness. And it's, sometimes it's severe, but he's so loving. And he's able just to get below the surface when nobody else could because he knows me so well. And then somebody comes along and says, I don't know if this is God or not. And it rocks my world because there's no way they could have known. There's no way they could see what they see unless God was revealing it to them because it was so personal. And it just kept me going over and over and over again. And I want to tell you today, regardless of what your history is with the prophetic, this gift is good. This gift is beautiful. And it's from the Lord. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, Paul told the church at Corinth, let love be your highest goal. This is in the context of spiritual gifts. Let love be your highest goal. But then he says this, but you should also desire the, spirit, the spiritual gifts or special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy, especially the prophetic. So what prophecy is not? So is the proph prophecy is what? Hearing God and saying what he says. What prophecy is not? It's not replacement for the Bible. Okay? You're not going to get a better word than what's right here. Okay? Uh, uh, and then the second thing is, it's not a replacement for hearing his voice for you, for yourself. I know people just, and I've probably been this person one time. It depends on how, how panicked I am. <laughs> I need a word. So we run around looking for a word. Oh, you got a word for me? 
you got a word for me? And we won't sit down and just see if God might have a word for us, like without going through somebody. But I love when he does go through other people because then it's like, you know it's him. Raise your hand if you've ever experienced anything like this, where there was just on time. It was on time. It was irrefutable. This is God. It's so timely, and he knows my heart so much. And it literally changes everything. It has over and over in my life. So one of the questions was this. What's the difference in prophecy and word of knowledge and word of wisdom? Because those are listed together in 1 Corinthians. So a word of knowledge is this. It's something you wouldn't know unless God told you, okay? It looks like Sheree saying, your dad said this about you, specific words, but God says. Now, how did she know that? God. So that wasn't, that wasn't prophetic, that was a word of knowledge. That was something that you know, you wouldn't know unless God revealed it to you, Okay? A word of wisdom is something you wouldn't understand unless God revealed it to you. And I'll tell you this, this has happened, I'd be, I'm embarrassed how, how much this is true in my life as a pastor. Sometimes when I meet with you guys, especially if it's something hard, I'm no counselor and I'm t I'll tell you that, go get real counseling. I'll listen to you and I'll pray with you and I'll walk with you, but I'm no counselor. But part of what pastors do is kind of that counseling thing. There are many, many times, most of the time, when I get that phone call from you or when I sit down with coffee, uh, over coffee with you and you're trying to tell me something, I have no idea what to tell you. No idea. And so on the way, I'm Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You got to speak to me. And so what happens is I'll be talking and I'm like, where is this coming from? <laughs> like, I didn't think that one up. You know, I'm not that smart. That's what that word of wisdom looks like. And I love that. I've even heard of, uh, heard a guy, a guy who's a mechanic give his testimony one time about he just could not figure out this thing with the car. And he's praying about it. He's like, God, help me, help me figure this out. How about God will work on your car with you? That's offensive to religion. <laughs> God cares about every detail of your life. Why wouldn't he? He's a good father. And so this mechanic was praying, and he just saw a picture of this part. I know nothing about cars, so I don't know what he was seeing. But he just had this picture in his mind of like, oh, yeah, okay. He goes and does what he sees in his mind. The car starts. I'm just saying, words of, word of knowledge is what you wouldn't know unless God Revealed it to you, word of wisdom is what you wouldn't understand unless God revealed it to you. Prophecy is something different. The gift of prophecy is something that God wants to happen, and so he puts it in the heart of somebody to say, and it's almost like forthtelling. There's an intention of his heart that calls into the future something that's not happened yet and calls it into the present and we have a choice to either partner with what God says or not. I'll give you an example of this. There was a, um, when I was in the, uh, a Baptist church back in Alabama, I was a youth pastor and worship leader. 
And I don't know how many times I had said, I don't want to be a pastor. I never want to be a lead pastor. Like, I don't like being that person makes decisions. I don't like being, whatever that is, bit me on my neck, that little <laughs> bee or whatever. <laughs> Did y'all see that? I was getting to eat up up here and he flew away. Um, sorry, I'm easily distracted too. But uh, what was I talking about? <laughs> the bee. Yeah, I didn't want to be a pastor. And, um, and I'm just like, I'm just content to do what I'm doing now and like just stay here and it's safe and it's, you know. This guy comes in on a Sunday night one time. He sits in the back. And he comes up to me after service on that Sunday night, and he says this. Well, he's talking to me, and he says, you're, you got a, you're a pastor. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm a music guy. <laughs> I'm a youth guy. Like, I, would, I didn't want to like, go there. And he said, no, no, let me pray for you. I'm like, <laughs> this is before that moment with Sheree and the baseball player, okay? This is long before that. And so I'm like immediately like, oh, here we go. I'm not open to this at all. I'm despising this moment. I'm, 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 I am just feeling some kind of way about this guy. Like, who does he think he is with a word from the Lord, you know? Like, and he comes to me and he says, let me pray for you. And he's getting, I mean, like, you are too close to my ear right now. Like, if I can feel your breath, only my mama should be doing that, like in church, you know? You don't want to talk about mama leans over you. Better, you better sit still. You better, and you feel the heat off, the, off your mama's breath? That's what this was. And I was like, this is so awkward. People are walking around looking like, what is it? Because this didn't often happen, you know? It's, kind of not kind of, it's not weird here, but like it was in that context. And so I'm just standing there, and he just goes through all this stuff, and I wish I'd listened because I probably forgot half of what he said because I despised the, prof the prophetic word. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, mm, don't do that. Test, test the word and hold fast to what's good. But I was despising all of it. He, here's some of the things he said. He said, you're, you're not only a pastor, you're a pastor to pastors. And you're going to go to nations. And I mean, he gives, he rattles off things and everything he said's happened. <laughs> little shy guy didn't want to, I just want to play the piano and lead singing, you know, like I don't, I don't want to do all that. But God, whatever happened in that moment that I didn't even receive, I look back on and said, God, you're intentional. You're so intentional. And even that moment, as bad as I hated what was happening, that's been an encouragement that's kept me going. Wait, God said, <laughs> God said this about me. And I actually walked away down that hall and I said to somebody, well, everybody's got a word, don't they? And that, I feel so embarrassed about that now. But it's like the Lord sought me out and put his finger on my life and said, this is how I see you, my son. And I said, Pfft. forgive me. <laughs> like, I, won't, I, think I've, I think we've handled that. Like, oh, Lord, I, disregard that. I want all you got now. All you got. I love the story of uh, the Last Supper where in some of the Gospels, there's just a few paragraphs. Maybe a little word. They ate supper and 
Jesus said this, so short. And you get to the Gospel of John, and there's five chapters <laughs> that took place in that room during that meal. And most of what John writes is in red if you got one of those Bibles. It's Jesus. Jesus said this, and then Jesus said this. Do you know why John knew everything that he said? Because if you read it, John was sitting right next to Jesus. And this is a... Mess with me. <laughs> I think I got him. <laughs> Cry to kid. Uh, <laughs> chopsticks. These are chopsticks. Um, this is terrible. What am I talking about? What? No. John, Gospel John. See, I need you guys. I told somebody this morning, where you at, Andrea? Andrea, guys, where you at? Oh, my gosh. This is what we're talking about. I told her this morning, I was like, I, I, I don't think I ever grew out of my ADD. Like, I was diagnosed with that stuff, you know. And, I, and the Lord told me this, I think it was past week or the week before, I know you can't focus. <laughs> like, literally. Because I use it as an excuse. I'm like, uh, leading and preaching and stuff like that. And I feel like the Lord said, look, I called you even though I know you can't focus. That sets me free. I don't know about you. That's, I mean, that's just awesome to me. So John's sitting there right next to Jesus. And this is difficult culturally, leaning on Jesus. Like leaning on him. So they're low tables, Everybody's laying around. Middle Eastern culture still does this. Be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Pillows. Get rid of the chairs. Cut the legs off the table. And John is sitting close, and he's leaning. He's leaning against Jesus. And, 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 the, and, and John's gospel tells us what happens next. Jesus says, one of you guys are going to betray me. And I think it was Peter is not sitting next to Jesus, and he says, Peter motioned to John to ask who it was. So, so this is what happens. Jesus goes, one of you guys is going to betray me. And Peter's like, he makes eye contact with John. And he goes, <laughs> like, ask him who it is. And John goes, who is it? <laughs> this is what happens. Who, who are you talking about? And Jesus goes, I'm about to dip the bread. And Judas, one guy knew what was going to happen out of everybody sitting at the table that night. You know why? Proximity. And John calls himself the disciple Jesus loved. Talk about humility. No, he just knows his identity. Sometimes being secure in your identity actually looks like pride because you're so confident in who he is in your life, but can be misunderstood. But one guy knew what was on Jesus' heart when nobody else did, just because he was willing to sit next to him and lean in and listen. And everybody else had their side conversations going on. 
man, did you see what Jesus did? They're talking about what Jesus did or what he could do. They're talking about the day. John is leaning in, listening to every single word out of Jesus' mouth. And I'll tell you this, if you want to walk in the prophetic, it's just simple. Friendship is key. Intimacy is where it's at. And prophecy is not the means. It is not the end. Love for Jesus and friendship and intimacy is not a means to another end. Jesus is the main thing. But the closer you get to Jesus and the more you're willing to listen and the more you're willing to lean in and the more you delight yourself in the Lord. I think it's almost a byproduct. Or at least that's where I think it should be. There's another place where Jesus said, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. Because a servant doesn't know what the boss is doing. But a friend knows because the boss tells them what's going on. Are we servants? Yeah. But our servanthood comes behind our sonship. Knowing who we are in his eyes, knowing that he actually wants to talk to us about things that we don't think he's care, he cares about. But being willing to lean in, Jesus says, I don't call you, I, you listen, you're not just a servant. You're my boy. You're my girl. And I want to let you in on what's going on in here. If you'll just listen. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Paul goes through the gifts, passages, and church order. What is this supposed to look like when you meet together and all that stuff? I encourage you to read it. So there's 12, or 12 13, and 14. And I look at it like a sandwich or an Oreo if you're like me. I like Oreo a lot better, double stuff. I actually don't like the double stuff ones. I'm getting off track again. The meat of the sandwich is chapter 13. The cream of the Oreo is chapter 13. And it's about love. And he says this, I speak, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give away everything I've got and I deliver up my body to be burned and martyred, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. Yeah. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. Sometimes the spiritual gifts, and as you, when you grow in them, if you don't stay grounded in humility, you will get arrogant and rude. Yeah. Especially gift of prophecy. God told me. Love, love is the, it's the meat. 
Love is the main thing. Everything we do must be through love. We must see through the lens of love. We must speak through the lens of love. We must act through the lens of love. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And he says, let me tell you about prophecy. It's going to end. All of this stuff I'm talking about in these two, three chapters, all that's going to pass away at the end. But love's going to remain. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. So, as we're doing this thing, and I just believe today that the waters are just going to rise in this house when it comes to this stuff. Like, just a prophetic, just hearing his voice, hearing his voice for each other, being that building up of the body of Christ that we're supposed to be. I just believe the waters are rising, and today's a big part of that. Because some of you, I just believe, are going to experience it profoundly for the first time in your life. And maybe there's some clarity happening over the teaching. So let's look at this. Prophetic safeguards. And I got these from a guy named Peter Haas because I just think they're just really good. So I'm going to use his stuff and put my own language to it. But FYI, do you know I love the gift of prophecy? Have you, have you heard that yet from my heart? I'm going to sit on the other side of the coin for just a minute. And I'll say this. Every aberration to the gospel, every false gospel, every false doctrine that's come out of the Christian faith, or for any other context for that matter, more often than not, it comes through a dream or a vision or a word from God. Paul said, even if an angel comes to you and preaches another gospel, don't listen to the angel. Hold firm to the truth. What I'm saying is this. Prophecy is a beautiful, beautiful gift that can be used to destroy and, dis- and, and to, um, to harm. And so what, I, what I'm saying with both of these, y'all know I, I ride this fence of like both and. We must love it and pursue it even at the risk of what abuse and misuse might bring. But we must also be willing to clean up our messes when we make them. And we must also be willing to know that even though when we don't get it right or when someone disappoints us because they misuse something, that we're still gonna pursue what God says to pursue. Are you with me? So here's some prophetic safeguards. 1 Corinthians 14, 39. So my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. And don't forbid speaking in tongues, but be sure that everything is done properly and in order. 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 through 21. This is the verse that I quoted a while ago. Don't despise prophecies. Don't, whatever. Don't despise prophecies, even if it's weird and goofy. Don't despise it, but what does he say? Test everything and hold fast to what's good. What do you do when you're panning for gold? You hold fast what's good. All the dirt and all the stuff just washes away. That's what he's talking about. He says, test everything, sift it. And what's left, if it's God, hold on to that. Don't just throw out a pan with gold in it thinking it's dirt. Don't despise prophecies. But test everything and hold fast to what's good. So number one, these are really fast. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. 
Number one, let Scripture judge the Word. Let Scripture judge the Word. He will never contradict himself. Okay? So is this word from the Lord? Does it align with what God's already said to me through his word? Number two, let others judge the word. But what God spoke to me. No. Humility says, I'm going to be submissive. Just like we talked about in Ephesians, submit yourselves to one another. If I can't be questioned, there's something deeper going on in my heart. If it's not allowed for you to question what God said to me and, I, and what I'm doing for God, not, mm -mm. there's some pride and there's some, there's some wonky stuff going on in my heart. So let others judge the word. Paul's command to the Corinthians was to weigh it and let others weigh it. Prophets are subject to prophets. So don't be, a, don't be the, well, I heard from God, so I'm going to come fix this person. <laughs> That's arrogance. That's pride. Love is the goal. So you can't let others judge the word if you're not plugged in to healthy community. Love and accountability is found in community. Don't run from community because it hurts. Press into community even though it hurts, even though it's uncomfortable. Number three, be careful about subjects that you're opinionated about. Listen, <laughs> I've been... I've been real sure that God was saying something to me. It turned out it was just me. Because I believed really strongly about something. And this is, a, this is legitimate. We can honestly feel really strong about a political subject or whatever. And we can think, well, this is just how God feels about this. And we can prophesy out of our flesh or out of our informed, what the culture has informed us about how to think about certain things rather than what God's actually saying. I want to be real careful about that. Just because I think that things should be a certain way does not mean that God is saying that. And I've got to be very, very sure that what I'm saying is the Lord. I've really, and I've got to be, even if I'm wrong, I want people, I want input on that, okay? Y'all follow me today? All right, number three, no, I've already said that. Number four, don't assume you're supposed to share it. Uh, who did the little devotional? Uh, Oswald Chambers, my most for his highest. Anybody read that? He said this. I love this. He said, discernment, more often than not, is for intercession. So you're talking with somebody and you sense something's going on in their life and you think you know what's going on. The Lord might be speaking to you. It does not mean every single time you're supposed to share that with that person. First place you go is intercession. And you pray for that situation that you have insight into. The, the last thing you need to do is go telling everybody what you sense about so-and-so. You said it. It's gossip. So don't assume we're supposed to share it. It may just be for prayer. It may be speaking, you to, speaking to you to call you to intercession for that person. Um, I shared a dream with somebody this morning that I had, but I, I sat on it for two months before I shared it. Because just because someone's in your dream doesn't mean the dream's about them. It could be symbolic God teaching you something through that person, and that's exactly what I think has happened in my life. The Lord wanted to teach me something through somebody in this house. And he put them in a dream in certain contexts that I would know 
what he was talking about. And so I asked that person to pray for me this morning that I would grow in what she's growing in. So, number five, be wise about when and how you share it. First Corinthians 13, let it be done in love. Let it be done in love. And Paul gives three filters for prophetic words in, within the body of Christ. They must build up, they must encourage, and they must comfort. Everybody say, build up, build up. encourage, encourage. and comfort. If I think I've got a word for Christy Rada, and it does not build her up, encourage her, or comfort her, I need to keep my mouth zipped. Even if it's a hard word, and God does give us hard words. I'm thankful for the hard words that's come in my direction from the Lord. But they're to be shared in a way that builds up and courage and comforts. If you, if you receive a word from someone that is, leaves you hanging in despair and hopelessness, that's not a word from the Lord. Or if it is, they didn't finish it. Because God, God's not done until it's good. There's always redemption. There's always a hope for restoration. There's always a way out. There's always a call to repentance and what he's calling you into. There's never this letting you hang out, hang out with no hope. So... Building up, encourage, comfort. Does it pass the test? Number six, directive words should be confirmation, not obligation. If I come to you, listen, you've got to test this. If I come to you and say, I feel like the Lord's saying this, like that you're supposed to move to Pennsylvania. <laughs> Just because the preacher told you God said move to Pennsylvania, you better you better know the Lord's talking to you before you up and move your family to Pennsylvania. Y'all, people do this stuff. People do this stuff. Directive words should be confirmation. Even when it doesn't confirm in the moment, there was an older lady in one of our previous churches, and she said, I just don't know about that yet, so what I do is I just put it on the shelf and I know where it is if I need it. <laughs> and I love that because sometimes the Lord's already speaking to your heart and then someone comes up and confirms what he's already saying and it's like, bam, there it is. But sometimes it's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And the temptation is despise it, throw it out. But what if we did like Miss Peggy and put it on the shelf and then as we're living our life, we're, oh yeah, I remember that. Hmm, I wonder what that, and then one day, oh yeah, there it is. I wrote it down in my app on my phone, and I've looked over it over the years, and I haven't forgotten it, and now I'm in that moment that was prophesied about, and here it is on the shelf, and I can receive it. You follow me? So valuable. Number seven is this. Own your own mistakes. Admit when you're wrong, and just make it right. Just make it right. Choose humility. At, at, at some point, with everything, John Wimber used to say, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. With everything in the kingdom, there's going to be risk. If we choose to pursue the prophetic gifts, guess what? There's going to be a mess. <laughs> where, the, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, Scripture says. 
For where there's life, there will be mess. But don't let the mess keep you from what God wants for you. Sound good? All right. So let's, let's do this. Let's all stand. Worship team, or just a broke down version of it if you want to. If I, call, if I texted you, came up to you during service, come on down here. I feel like the Lord highlighted you, so could just stand up here on the stage. And listen, there's nothing special. I mean, everybody's coming up here special, okay? But there's nothing special about these guys. Here's what I just believe. I believe the Lord is gonna give um, just some encouraging, comforting, building up things to say to you through these people. And so I want you to pray about which one you need to come to, okay? Because I just believe the Lord's got some stuff up his sleeve today that you ain't even thought about yet. And I believe there's going to be a lifeline for somebody today. And so, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that even with a broke down air conditioner, you can, uh, you can speak. Just like you're speaking all over the world right now to people in barns with chickens running down the aisle. And just like you spoke to me in that little white church in the middle of the tobacco fields in Mississippi with no AC, babies sweating all around us. I thank you that you've given gifts that give us a lifeline when you need it, when we need it, and that you give it through our brothers and sisters. And so we receive what you say today we receive your your written word that brings life to us and Lord we receive your fresh timely word that you want to give to us when we need it and so Lord today would you just speak clearly will you open our eyes our hearts to receive what you have to say and some of some of you guys on the front Somebody's already texted me about just some specific things they're feeling about somebody. I believe that person's gonna come up to you and ask for a prayer for that exact thing. And some of you with questions on your heart this morning that you've come in and you're like, you know what? I just don't, I don't know what to do in this area of my life. This is how I'm feeling. I just feel like <laughs> the Lord's got a word for you. And it can happen in your seat right there. But we do wanna make this available for the Lord to use his body, the church. So Father, we thank you for the beautiful gift of prophecy and words of knowledge and wisdom that come from your heart. May we lean in even closer than ever before to your heart that we might hear you, that we might know you. You're what it's about. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You're dismissed uh, to, to go and get cooled off. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit thedwellingchurch.org.